Welcome to Dead Pilot Society. I'm your host, Andrew Reich. Some of you may be new listeners, so I should say that what we normally do on this show is take comedy pilots from A-list writers that were sold and developed at networks and streaming services but never shot and give them the table reads they never got a chance to have. I myself am a television comedy writer. I spent seven years as a writer and producer on Friends and have written on many other shows, including Worst Week, which I mentioned for at least one person I figure is listening to this. Uh, But we're not doing what we normally do this time, because on February 1st of this year, the television business and the world lost someone very special when Jamie Tarsus passed away. Many people may know her name because she was the first female president of a television network. She ran ABC from 1996 to 1999. And that's what her obituaries focused on. The New York Times obituary in particular focused pretty exclusively on a muckraking article that Lynn Hirschberg wrote for the Times Magazine in 1997. And it pretty much uh, ignored or dismissed the incredible 20-plus year career that Jamie had as a producer after she left ABC. That obituary had almost nothing to do with the Jamie that I and so many other people knew. Jamie and I were friends for many years, uh, but we only worked together once. My former partner, Ted Cohen, and I developed a pilot with her for ABC. It was never shot, and who knows, might end up here at Dead Pilot Society someday. But my main memory of Jamie from that experience is of the amazing conversations I had with her about the maddening and contradictory notes we were getting from the network and talking to her. This is something that you're going to hear more about later in this episode from other people, but talking to her was really like talking to a third writing partner. She completely understood how making one of the network's suggested changes in Act 1 would completely undo things we were setting up in Act 3. You know, She was helpful in addressing the nitty-gritty of the writing in a way that no other non-writing producer we'd worked with had ever been. Uh, I never had a chance to do another pilot uh, with her after that. But for a few years, we were work neighbors. Uh, we had offices directly across the hall from each other in the old animation building on the Walt Disney lot. And she would pop into my office or I'd pop into hers and we would discuss the projects we were working on and commiserate about notes and development. And we were always trying to find something else to do together. We talked about a few things last May. Uh, Now I have a spec pilot I just finished that I would love to work with her on. But of course, that's not possible. So what I'm bringing you today is an attempt to give a better sense of what Jamie was like than the obituaries did, what made her so one of a kind among producers, and what made her so universally beloved by the writers who worked with her. I interviewed 17 people, 16 writers, as well as her development executive. Uh, This is by necessity a very partial sampling of the writers who worked with her. I'm sure there are many more out there who would have loved to talk about her. And if you're one of them and you're listening, get in touch. Maybe we'll do a part two. Um, There's so many great, funny, moving stories here and a lot of insight into what the role of a producer is. Um, Something that I know can be very mysterious to people. But most of all, what I think comes across is the genuine love and respect all of us felt for Jamie and how much she's missed. 
So, uh, here it is. The Dead Pilot Society tribute to Jamie Tarsus. I'm Betsy Thomas, and uh, I have known Jamie for 22 years. A long time. <laughs> um, so Jamie and I met when she was president of uh, ABC. We met through a mutual friend, and I had had completely strangely and coincidentally pitched to her the day that I met her to pitch to ABC, but I didn't think she knew. And, um, I, we became immediate friends was completely disarmed by this person who didn't seem like a big, scary, impressive executive to me at all. (laughs) She seemed like just a super fun, really smart, uh, person. And they had, she ended up picking up that, show which was called then came you and it was really not a good show and i will say this one little funny addendum story about jamie which i gave her shit about all the way i would try to do it like twice a year i'd try to remind her of this that when we were casting then came you this amazing this fantastic actress came in and it was about an older woman and a younger man it was based on my relationship with my husband adrian um now husband at the time boyfriend and uh so this actress came in and she auditioned and she was awesome. And her name was Lauren Graham. And we were, I was like, this is her, this is it. She's, she's the girl, she's the woman. And Jamie, um, it got, you know, put up the flag, pulled it, ABC. And Jamie's response was Lauren Graham's not a star. (laughs) (laughs) So she wasn't infallible. No. And I try, I reminded her that like twice a year. I just to keep it for the last 20 years, twice a year, remind me, you were the person that said that, by the way, <laughs> my show would still be on the air and I would not have had to work again. So, um, so I wrote this pilot for ABC after she'd left, I had a deal at Sony and I sold a pilot to ABC, um, called, well, it was like all things that I wrote it was called the untitled Betsy Thomas project. because That's catchy. Yeah. Well, you know, never been great with titles. So, um, I wrote this pilot about based on my, that actually Nick grad, when he was a, an executive at, um, a development person at Sony, he was like, why don't you come up with something about your poker game? Because he knew that I had a lot of guy friends and I had a poker game and I, I liked sports and particularly baseball and the Cubs. And I was like, okay, oh, yeah, I, I could probably figure something out. I wrote it for ABC. Jamie read it just as a friend because she always reads everything that I write. And she absolutely loved it. And then ABC, of course, didn't make it because that's when they decided they were going to make all these family comedies. And I think that was like the according to Jim period or whatever. So she was, of course, outraged for a number of reasons, but (laughs) it's a good place to put her outrage and Rage in general at ABC, but anyway, she was like, she never forgot about that script. She always loved it. And she'd always, she would, she would talk about it. And so cut to 2006, I guess, 2005, end of 2005, which that sounds like cut to a long time from that. It was like two years. Uh, she said, Hey, whatever happened to that? that that 
that, that script I liked. And I was like, it's collecting dust on a shelf. She said, well, TBS is starting original programming. And what do you, th- I w- I'd like to send it to them. And I was like, that's, and I was like, that's awesome. Just let me know when the table read is I'll be there. <laughs> and uh, she, so my boys basically, it would not exist without Jamie Tarsus. She took it, she sold it to them. They, it was a multi-cam and they said, can you, will we want to make this, but can you make it a single cam? And um, I'm like, yeah, okay. And they're like, don't worry about it being funny. <laughs> Great. So, uh, so yeah, so that all happened because of Jamie, you know, with my boys, you know, you know, it's, and I, you know, this it's, there's, these non-writing producers, I'm using air quotes, um, <laughs> because, you know, they, they basically help get it sold, most of them. They are at best mildly helpful. Um, and at worst, you know, they just show up at table reads and don't really give you any protection against the student network once you go to series. Um, and you're sort of like, okay, I'm not totally sure why, what, why this person has producer credit anymore, but okay. And, uh, Jamie wasn't that way. Jamie was at every, she was next to me at all times. I would, I would beg her to come into the room. I'd be like, come in the room. And then she always felt uncomfortable in there. I don't know why. Cause she loved writers, but there was something about that, the room that she would be like, oh, I don't want to be in there. Um, she was so, she, I would just be like, just here, go to editing. Here are my notes. And she would take it and go run with it. And, you know, we would sit on Friday nights, we would shoot, we would shoot on the back lot of Paramount and Friday nights was like our, like we would run around in this golf cart together and pour a cocktail and go to the set and hang out together. And it was, she was, um, that first season she was on set all the time and she was, she would just do casting sessions for me. And I'd be like, just tell me which one you like. And she, she really was a true partner. She wasn't just like, uh, in name only. And so I think what makes, you know, Jamie, Jamie loved being hands-on and, and I loved that about her. She was not, and I think there probably are, I don't know what the other people are saying, but um, for me, I considered her, I loved having her and always as a partner and developing with her because I like that collaboration and I got really used to it and she's so smart and we had such a shorthand that she could say, I don't like this. And I didn't feel like it didn't hurt my feelings or my ego. And I could say that's, I, I disagree and I would fight back with her if I didn't agree with something. And, you know, we had such, it was such a rare collaboration where the politics of it didn't come into play. Yeah. And we really, the, the, we had so much fun, you know, talking about, I mean, I think that was to me, one of the, the worst parts about my boys getting canceled was losing that. That's the, I mean, that's the loss for me. The loss for me is so massive personally. And then, you know, creatively, I just, it's so, it's, it's, Losing that that person who 
held your hand for basically your whole career. And then you're suddenly like, oh, okay, now I'm in the cold, cruel world by myself. <laughs> and, you know, maybe she's a, if you believe in, maybe she'll be some sort of creative guardian angel for me. I don't know. Maybe that's a show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Adrian Wenner. I met Jamie in, um, I think, 98 or maybe 97. I'm Ethan Sandler. Uh, I met Jamie in, I think, 2001 um, and worked with her on the series My Boys and the pilot of Inbox. Yeah, let's dive into that. That was our busted <laughs> pilot because I think that was the first time that was uh, Sandler and I, that was our first TV experience. Yes. Was it not? It definitely Cause we, was. Because we hadn't even been staffed. We'd done this um, little two-man show that uh, went to Aspen, and we eventually took it to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and I don't even know the date of that. Um, and, of course, Jamie loved it. Loved so much of it. She she gave us. She saw one of the very early in, incarnations. It was called Epitaph, and uh, Jamie, through my wife Betsy, who was the director of it, she dragged Jamie to it early and said, "What do you think of this show?" And I remember Jamie having a lot of thoughts about it, but she she dug it immediately. And of course, Jamie, when we went to Edinburgh, was like, "Well, I'll I'll follow you to Edinburgh," and I think that that's when we sort of started talking about when we got back to America, we would, we would go out with a show with her because we'd had this uh, idea for an office comedy called inbox. Again, we were uh, stupid enough to think we would star in a, in a uh, national television show <laughs> on NBC <laughs> coming off of uh the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Perhaps you've seen our work at a <laughs> small theater you've never entered before. And Jamie was so into it. She was like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And I remember her, we pitched that show, our little inbox show to NBC the same year uh, a little comedy called The Office was developed by NBC. But I remember going into NBC with Jamie at the, you know, to date ourselves, the old, the old school back on the olive days. Oh, wow. Okay. And, uh, man, when she walked into that place, it was like, it was like she was going, it was like, I felt going back to high school. She, she would go into it and it was just like everyone, it was weak in the knees. They all yeah. got weak in the knees. <laughs> You were, you were like going into the palace with royalty. It was really comforting. We were so lucky to work with her first. It's, it's crazy. And certainly as time passes, I've been thinking about that too. Like I remember we practice pitched to her and Carrie, her partner mm -hmm. at the time, multiple, multiple times. Like we would sit them both down and run through a pitch. And back then we were young 
and thought that a pitch needed to be like a 12 minute short play where we knew every line either one of us was going to ever say. And I just remember sweating crazily in her living room, <laughs> pouring sweat, like performing my heart out, like thinking like, this is normal. This is what you do. And, like, and I just, I, she was so gracious, you know, about all of, about how young and inexperienced and stupid we were. Like, uh, I'll, of anybody I've ever worked with, certainly in that capacity, like when we would make her laugh, it felt like we really had yeah. something funny. And similarly, when we let her down or disappointed her or didn't dig deep enough or have a, you know, to disappoint her in any way was so hard. You know, I just, she was just incredible in that way. I forget what offices she was in. We would go in and she and Carrie, I feel like it was on Universal Lot or something. It was. And um, I only remember that because for me, my one of oh, my yeah. favorite right. memories of being in this town at all was when you and I, I think maybe we had, we were about to first go out pitching, like it was right at the beginning. And the four of us got on a golf cart and just drove around Universal. And they, sh I think Jamie must have been like, wait, you had seriously haven't even seen the Jaws thing? And I, and I was like, I don't know. I don't. And so we just drove around on a golf cart with the two yeah. of them <laughs> and, just, and just laughed and had a weird like midday adventure at Universal watching tourists. And it was like, for the first time in my life, I felt like, oh, I'm... Yeah, I felt like it was a scene from the player, but like not a dark version of it. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I'm in the player. Yeah, we've made it. We've like that golf cart was the embodiment of us making it somewhere. Like uh -huh. we're laughing with those two amazing accomplished human beings and just driving around that lot, not as a scared little kid, but instead of someone that had a reason to be there, we had a meeting there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were developing a pilot and she was crushed when yeah. that did not go and yeah. very mad. I remember her being very, very mad at NBC. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, which was always comforting. To, to have someone be madder than you in that position. And through my, so then we got staffed on Betsy's show, My Boys, um, also luckiest fuckers ever, that that was our first staff job. Yeah, no um, you know, just in terms of an amazing showrunner and an amazing staff, and then also an amazing producer. Like in all these million years that I've been bumping around since then like i've never seen a producer like that she would do wardrobe checks mm -hmm. she would like be passionate about auditions she would be like at a table read as nervous as one of the writers like she would be in story conversations but but not in a kind of half distracted on her phone way like she would get her nose into the line of scrimmage and try to really figure out the mechanics of what made this story work and how we're going to solve this and um and also was there, I remember when Luke Wilson, um, <laughs> we offered him something and, you know, to us, it was like, uh, it's three episodes, you know, I mean, it's a big job. And he took forever to get back to us. And, and the email that filtered back to us was, yeah, I'm going to bail on this was his way of passing. And it offended me so much, just like on principle that it just seemed so, I remember like yesterday, I was so like, what? you don't just bail you politely. And I remember her being the one to just gently put her hand on my shoulder and be like, it's okay. It's a long road. Everything's going to be okay. Like yeah. it just was always there somehow. She, like, the other thing I was laughing about with another writer on that show, this guy, Brennan Smith, who, you know, Andy, we played a game one year 
when the pilots came out. Do you remember this? So yes. the pilot, so the pilots came out. That stupid, like here's here's all the pilots in contention that year. You know the log lines of them, and we were like, let's. Jamie was on set, and I think Betsy was on set with Jamie, and we were like, let's do everybody write two bullshit ones, and then we'll put them all in a big bin, and then they'll read it. They'll like pull them out, and I felt like that was maybe the happiest I'd ever seen Jamie. She loved it so much. <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure out which, which ones were bullshit. And I was so proud. Maybe one of my proudest moments in Hollywood is I got her to guess mine. You fooled Jamie. I fooled Jamie on a, on a log line for a drama. Cause I remember doing it. I was like, this is gonna, this will get Jamie. And it was, uh, it was like, I, I won't do it justice. Cause it was brilliant. <laughs> it, it, it was, um, it was basically a show that took place on an aircraft carrier and the trials and tribulations and romances of, a, of, a, of an aircraft carrier. And she, she was like, this aircraft carrier is one that that's, that's, that sounds like ABC or something. And you I don't like, remember yeah. it. You don't remember it was USS what? Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like, <laughs> fuck, what was it? As the title's gotta be key. It was definitely USS. It was like yeah. USS endeavor or something. And, uh, and she was like, this one, this one's real. And I remember going like, yeah, yes, yes. And she was like, but that's not real. But Adrian, seriously, maybe we should think about that. <laughs> there was a, uh, a time, I don't know if you remember this, this is so long ago already. It's crazy because um, it was at your birthday roast, your 40th, that um, we had both almost worked with her on another series and then schedules got weird and my wife's schedule changed and I just couldn't take a, I couldn't do the gig. I couldn't have that kind of time. Um, kids were really little back then. And so I pulled out last minute in a really gross sort of unprofessional way. And she was pretty mad. And um, so I tried as an act of apology, I bought her like when at the time for me was like an extremely expensive bottle of wine and wrote a long letter of apology and, um, sent it to her and never really heard it. You pulled a Luke Wilson. <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm going to bail on this. <laughs> and, uh, and I saw her at your party. And I remember saying, I'm so sorry about that. And she said, what is this bottle of fucking wine? I don't want a bottle of fucking wine. <laughs> and I was like, sorry, I didn't know what to do. She was like, let's take something out. <laughs> that, was their, that was her love language. Was like, let's develop something. <laughs> I know how, um, cloying and horrible. The next thing I'm going to say is, but like she, it working with her actually was like development in the, in the actual sense of the, the word like changed my life, like made me a better thinker and problem solver. And, um, and I am ashamed that I, and of course it always goes like this, but, um, I took her for granted so much. Um, I think, on a super personal level, just because she was the first person I worked with and she was your friend, Adrian. And so it just felt so organic and easy. Like, Oh, right. Yeah. I'll work with this person. And now this is happening. And it's, um, but looking back, I, I just took for granted how brilliant, how generous, um, how special she was. I'm Phil Hay, and I worked with Jamie on the series, The Mysterious Benedict Society, which I created with my partner, Matt Manfredi. So tell me about uh, how that working relationship with Jamie started. 
Jamie and uh, Karen Kahila Sherwood um, brought us this the, this book, which is a you know as many parents know is a a prized um, part of the canon of 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 a lot of the upbringing of our kids, and um, we immediately fell in love with it, and we immediately also like we had heard you know, Jamie's a legend. So we had, you know, heard her name and heard about her from other friends of ours who had worked with her. And the first thing everybody said was, well, you, you, you really want to work with her. Like you really, that's a person that you, you, you know, you, you, you need to have that experience because she's a very special producer. And, um, we love the book. We love Karen and Jamie and, um, and found that to be, found that to be really true that it, the, the development of this um, series took a really long time because we were at one studio, then we moved to another studio, then within the, um, you know, took from the time we sold it to, um, to Hulu, it was probably two years between when we got the book and started writing the pilot and, and everything. And so through that time, you know, you need, if you're going to hold a project together, because like as we all know, as writers, like a projects just fall apart at the tiniest um, encouragement. And we had lots of not tiny encouragements to fall apart. But when you have a producer like Jamie, that's the glue that keeps it together because Jamie had that power to just, she, she was not a heat seeking missile, you know, who just was wanted to get onto the next thing. It's like, if she believes in something or believes in you, that's just seems to be a done deal, which is incredible, you know, and very, uh, and not what you always get. <laughs> um, right. and so she just kind of kept, she and Karen both and Karen, um, is one of Jamie's best friends and, and they both have a very, you know, it was like kind of working with, a counterpart of like me and Matt, like our partnership, their partnership, similar, like the same value. They had the same values. They had the same diligence. And I feel like, um, yeah, the show, the show never would have survived all the ups and downs of having, and this is one where people were really excited about it, but like, as we all know, it's, there's so many ways for these things to blow up and they usually just do, they just usually blow up at some point. And, um, you know, we never would have gotten to the, to the final, to the runway without Jamie keeping everybody, in, you know, keeping, keeping us in, keeping all the various entities in keeping the flame lit under everybody. And that's kind of what she did. Um, kind of naturally, it wasn't strenuous. It was just a kind of like sense of, you know, I got this. Don't worry. Just be, be around. It's going to happen. Just be available, be around, you know? Um, and how was she, in terms of the writing, in terms of giving you notes and working with you on the scripts. She had this thing that I think is the most, in a way it's the most prized thing that, you know, I've been doing this for like more than 20 years now. And when you find a producer who knows what's actually important versus what seems like it might be important or versus even what they think in their, in their head is important. Like Jamie's approach to notes to talking about the scripts, to talking about the series was always about what's the most important few things we can talk about. So she would never hit you with a deluge of minutia 
or, you know, that sort of thing where it's just this massive um, uh, pile of notes and thoughts of what it could be, what it should be. What if it was this? What if it wasn't this? You know, whenever she would give us notes, it was always like, um, you know, three to five things that were really important. And of course, they always were the most perceptive, most right to the heart of it, like existential question of like, what are we doing here? And how does, and what are we trying to accomplish? And how do we get there? Uh, And that's actually inspiring. Like, it's very rare when like we, Matt and I would joke, we'd be like, it's very rare that you're sitting there being like, I can't wait to get the notes from Jamie and Karen. Like, what did they say? You know, because it wasn't... that process with Jamie is always, and I think, and I talked to another friend who had known her when she was back in the, in the network days. And, and he said, she was like that then too, that she said something like her mantra was sort of like, unless it is critically important, don't say it. It's just noise. It's just going to get in the way of what the writer's trying to do. It's just going to, kind of be a thing that's an obstacle for them. And my job is to not make obstacles. My job is to like blast through obstacles. And that's pretty amazing. Like, and it it really was true from beginning to end of the process with her of just that ability to know what really is actually important is, is like, that's just gold in a, in a producer for sure. Because as writers, you do so often lose the plot. You get lost in worrying about the wrong things and to have that clarity, which sometimes is hard to, to retain as the writer. Yeah. Sounds like she really provided that in those moments when you guys might've spun out. It's all, yeah. And it's always like the ability to be reminded of what the whole, what the real point is. And in a way, I think I've like really had that underlined and carrying that forward from working with Jamie of always reminding people what the whole, what the point is. Like, why are we doing this in the first place and not getting into the minutia that somehow can kind of like you start walking off the path. And then next thing you know, the path, you don't see the path anymore, you know, because you're so busy, like tending to that little willow reed that was in your way and you're trying to get it to push it back and it keeps popping back. You know what I mean? So it's like, I think that philosophy also comes from like another thing that I really observed with Jamie. That's so special was that that she was just not afraid of anyone and not in an aggressive way. Just like, you know, she's been, she did everything you could do in this business, basically, you know? And so she didn't have to like cater to, to whims. She didn't have to, you know, be worried that her, she's going to fall out of favor with this person or this network or the studio. And maybe she could, but she didn't seem to care. You know, she was just like, I just want to do what's right by this project and by the people. And I I really do think this is something you're going to hear from so many writers you talk to about her. The bottom line is you immediately sensed from her that her basic loyalty was to the writer. That that's where her loyalty is. That's where her efforts go. That's what the deal is. And she knows you have to deal with the studio and the network and actors and everybody else that comes with it. But... I was never like wondering, oh, is Jamie like, you know what I mean? Does she care? Does she really need to like make sure she smooths things over for herself with this person or this network? And I just don't think that was how she operated, you know? And that's, again, 
Like, I think it'll be, I can't wait to hear what other people say. Cause I, that's, you know, my friends of mine. And again, it's like weird. Like so many people I know have worked with her in some capacity and everybody I've talked to has a similar thing to say, which is like, she just cares about writers. Like, you know, and then the other thing they all say, you know, when I was thinking about doing this, the thing that, and I was talking to Karen a bit about this, um, was how surprising Jamie was too, you know, like that she didn't, when I had only heard of her, I had one thing in mind, you know, like I was like, I'm, you know, like, I'm sure she's like this, like shark, super tough, you know, like, just like, um, overwhelmingly powerful, you know, like kind of, uh, uh, executive type or something. And which was not true at all. Like she's so, um, like Jamie was so esoteric and in the best way, like an oddball, like that, which is never what you expect from somebody, you know what I mean? With her like legacy and track record and all that she's done. I had so much fun, like, like just making bizarre jokes with her all the time. And like her vibe was so much like, you know, like, like a fellow, you know, strange person, you know, <laughs> like the best way. Um, so uh, what, where were you in the process when she f- fell ill? We were in, um, right before, uh, deep into pre-production, our second round of pre-production. So we had been in pre-production to shoot in April and obviously, you know, like I think 10 days before we were starting to shoot was when it became very clear that, what COVID was going to be and that everyone, we sent everybody home and, you know, we're like, we just have to, you know, like everyone else just wait. And then we got back up, back up at the end of the summer. Um, and so we were really right getting very close to starting shooting when, when she fell ill, um, which was obviously such a, um, you know, just a shocking blow to everyone. And, um, and, and, you know, like we felt immediately, it really, you know, it, it, obviously everyone, you know, tries to, um, you just got to keep doing what you're doing. And, but we, we felt, you know, like, cause we felt like we knew how much Jamie cared about the show. And of course we were always kind of hoping and praying for her return the entire time. And, and, um, we, so we just, we just tried to keep doing what we're doing and, and just kind of, um, hang in there. But you know, it, it's not, it, it, it's, it's, it's something that we, her presence was so powerful in this whole process that, you know, in a, we, we so acutely felt her absence, but we also did feel her presence and still feel her presence quite a bit. You know, like it's, um, we talk about her all the time and we have, you know, like, in a weird way, there's times when, you know, one of us will be like kind of trying to, it's like seeing an episode through her eyes in some way or being like, Oh yeah. You know, I really wish Jamie could see this bit. Cause this bit is like really Jamie, you know, like, you know, yeah. it's always like a very quirky, funny, weird bit. That's our favorite. Like those are the ones <laughs> we associate with Jamie. Did he knew she would have been her favorite too. Totally. Yeah. So yeah. So we, we just, um, yeah, it really was, uh, like, you know, I guess that's the, the best I can say it is like, she was so missed during this whole process. And a big 
part of it was knowing how much she would have enjoyed this process. Cause I know how much she cared about the show and cared about everybody that was making it. And you know, was ready to dispatch herself to Vancouver for the entire time. Like, you know, she was really ready to go. And, um, so that was just, you know, it was, it's, it's, what can I say? It's just, it's it's such a, such a deep tragedy. And so, so sad. And, you know, as a person who's, I mean, I know so many people who are much closer to the center of her circle. So I have my own experience and that's, you know, um, that's, that's important to me. You know, but I've also am close with people like Karen who are really, truly in the very center of, of her circle. And so I feel like our, our role with the people who are in our production and in that role is to try to be support, you know, be the support for them and be the trying to, you know, hold them as well. So, um, it's been a big part of this experience, um, to, uh, to, she has been such a huge part of this experience continues to be. Um, and in, you know, and, and it's, I'm really proud of the show and proud of everything we've done. And I know she would be proud of it. So I feel, I feel great also that, you know, that her last couple things that she did are things that she loved and she was really proud of. And that, you know, um, it's people seem to be responding to in, in the case of the wilds and we're hopeful people respond to our show. So I feel like, you know, she really, you know, I just love how she just kind of kept doing, she just kept like, it's so remarkable when I think back on what everything she did, which is, it's like crazy that like she was, again, it's like, she is the TV landscape of the last however many years. It's just like been there all the time. And you know, never really slowed down, like, and, and, you know, um, was doing some of her best work. So, yeah, you know, it's really something we're going to miss her so much. I'm Dana Calvo and I worked with Jamie on studio 60 on sunset strip also on Franklin and bash. And I might, uh, very short lived CBS show, my own show made in Jersey. Um, and then, uh, ironically and sadly, last summer, Jamie and I just finished writing a pitch for a light one-hour drama, and we were set to go out and pitch it at the end of July. But then she collapsed mid-July. When we were um, at, that sh- at that digital shiva, <laughs> and I realized it was the most serious and sad I've been about or around Jamie ever. And what I guess I wanted to just add was that I don't know if this was your experience with her but it certainly was mine I wanted to make Jamie laugh like if she thought something was funny it just was <laughs> uh, I remember pitching her my show made in Jersey and hoping she'd want to back it because she was so meaningful to a project and I remember her laughing a lot during the pitch and it was the closest I'd ever come to understanding why performers find that response like so addictive. Um, so yeah, I mean, and the show I pitched to her at the time was kind of a family drama, like Moonstruck. And then they turned it into a legal drama, even though I'm not a lawyer. And boy, did we laugh about that. <laughs> I don't, I can't imagine why it only lasted two weeks before they yanked it. But 
So, you know, yeah. So we went through the bonding experience of filming a pilot um, in New York and getting a show on the air. And as anyone knows who's done it, you immediately and kind of for a long time after that have a lot in common with those people that you're in those trenches with. So, yeah, I mean, when we were on that memorial service for her, I and, and that um, there was a terrible obituary published by the New York Times that was just a cheap shot and it was just like junior varsity stuff, you know. And I thought to myself, the, the, the Jamie I knew and the one that people thought they knew were very separate narratives. Like my friend Jamie was devoted and involved with her family, so much so that at one point during the pilot, she just turned to me, we were standing there on set, and she had tears in her eyes and she said, I'm so homesick. I'm flying home. I'll be back in a few days. (laughs) It wasn't like she was hardly like a tiger, you know? (laughs) Um, So yeah. And um, I guess I, I, I'll tell you another story that you can just edit away. We filmed the pilot and it was my first pilot. And a few weeks later, we're back in LA editing it. And I thought, oh gosh, I've just gotten out of this wind tunnel. You know, you get green lit, then you're in casting and then scouting and then shooting. And you think, okay, great. When they say like, you know, martini or you're like, oh my God, we're done. And I get to do this re-entry with my family who I haven't seen for almost two months. And get to unwind, but it's actually just beginning because that editing process is just round the clock for days. So that's another sprint to get it into shape, to go to the studio network. And one night it was so late and we were on the Paramount lot and um, Mark Waters was the director and he was fixing something with the editor and a batch of songs from our music supervisor landed. So Jamie and I mostly just to stay awake, um, we went into this unused editing bay across the hall and just, you know, crank some of them up. And, you know, the sound quality in those editing bays is so amazing. Um, we played some, okay, didn't like that, pass, blech. And this was April of 2012, long time ago. And the song came on and it was by a group that I didn't, hadn't heard of called Florence and the Machines. And the song was Shake It Out. and I, the song was really big in the UK, UK, but it was really just growing here, which meant it was affordable <laughs> and not being played everywhere. So anyway, the song starts out kind of slow, mysterious. It must have been midnight or one in the morning. And then when it drops, it's like this very powerful, electric, complicated song. And I just remember we both jumped off the couch and got up and started dancing all over this small editing room. We knew that no one outside could hear us. We just cranked it up. And we must have played that stupid song three times in a row and just were like out of breath at the end. And we ended up using that song as the hero moment at the end of the pilot. So one of my more joyful and more typical memories of of Jamie. She loved television. Like her whole career was this Valentine to a medium that she just loved. So um, she also loved creatives in the way I almost felt sometimes like she, she listened to creatives sometimes the way like an amused grandparent will listen to a kid just with this like beautiful detachment and admiration, just really like not, not trying to get in there too early. Like she was a very good listener. Um, so, and she also was 
always emphasizing that emotional bond, that relationship. That's where the specialness is. And for me, you know, it was always a reminder that television is just a more intimate medium than people tend to think it is. And that's the magic. Uh, Hi there, I'm Brecken Meyer. I'm an actor, writer, and producer who's uh, worked with Jamie pretty much on everything I've done from Franklin and Bash to Minute Work to Thursdays with Jesse to a show I presently have at ABC, a pilot I have at ABC right now that is uh, still produced by James. Um, Yeah. started. I met Jamie first the same way most young actors do is you audition for her. And she already, I mean, immediately when you walk in the room, she sets herself apart from other producers because she's no bullshit. She's probably either cursing or joking or both, possibly flirting with everybody in a great way. And she's just no bullshit. Like you're intimidated at the same time. If she likes you, you feel like you're walking on cloud nine because you got, you know, you got the super producer under you saying you're the shit. So you feel an extra boat of confidence, which is pretty good for an actor going through the process of auditioning. So I met her as an actor and I just kept seeing her at things. And honestly, as an actor, I was like, I mean, I had a crush on Jamie and I had a crush on Amy Heckerling who directed Clueless because these were these incredibly strong, brilliant, talented women. And Jamie was one of them. And then coincidentally, Jamie ended up uh, having kids with a guy from my high school class, Patty, who was a friend of mine. Um, but uh, so I first met Jamie as a, as an actor. And then when we did Franklin and Bash, at one point, TBS said, you know, if you ever write anything, we'd love to take a look at it. And I had written this script and I gave it to Sony. This is a weird one, but I gave it to Sony because that's who was producing Franklin and Bash at the time. And Sony passed. <laughs> Sony passed on it. I gave it to TBS. I didn't know the order of things. I had never run a show. I didn't know how you do things. I just said, I wrote this. You said you wanted to see it. So here I gave it to TBS. They said, great, we want to do it. We'll buy it. And I said, okay, but I don't want to do it without Jamie Tarsus. And they said, well, Jamie's deal is at Sony. And I said, oh, that's too bad because Sony passed. And my agent was like, I think they'll accept it now. You have a sole pilot. They don't have to do anything. They get to walk on and say, we're producing this. And I did that just because I didn't, I didn't have any allegiance. Really. I wanted to work with Jamie. That was my thing. And so if Sony had to come on board because of Jamie, great. Sony produced my show. End of story. I didn't want to do, I didn't want to produce, write, and show run my first gig without the safety net of Jamie. There was just no way I was going to be able to do it confidently without Jamie showing me how. I'd never, when they said who's going to run the show, I raised my hand never knowing as, as an actor. I didn't know what the hell a showrunner was. So when they said who's going to run it, I was like, oh, yeah, I will. clueless you know um and i could not have done it without jamie going oh okay that's not what you do as a showrunner and this is what you do as a showrunner from firing actors to hiring actors to hiring writers to firing writers to everything jamie was my first call and also my last word every night was i brought on matt tarsis who's her brother to show me how to run a show so matt was essentially my number two my co-showrunner and every night when I would leave work, Jamie, Matt, and I, no matter how late it was, would walk to our cars. We'd walk Jamie to her car first. And it was always, okay, Jamie, I love you. Bye. And then for Matt, it was Matt. Thank you. And that was for three years. That was my nights. Um, 
I couldn't have learned under a better, more badass person than Jamie, obviously. But she's also terrifying. <laughs> you know, she's <laughs> polarizing and pisses people off in a great way. Yeah, she was incredible. I mean, she really was, whether it was drama, comedy, whatever. And you asked Kevin Falls, who is one of the most respected showrunners, down to the asshole from Clueless. And she treated us both the same. And we both are still enamored. My name is Bill Chase, and I've worked with Jamie on a couple of shows. I had the maybe distinct experience with Jamie of her being part of both the lowest and highest moment of my career. And her level-headedness, even-handedness was such that she was almost the same for both of them. And she really kind of got me through the bad one and celebrated the good one with me. And I'll tell you quickly um, what those were. Um, so I was working on a show. It was a terrible show and a terrible experience. And she was one of the executive producers. And I had gotten to know her a little bit through friends. And so it was just nice to have her on this, on this with me. And I flamed out hard. And she came in the office and she's like, I'm so sorry. I had never been fired before. She's like, I'm, um, and I want to talk about her more than me, but I just want to get up my experience with her quickly. She said, look, you know, it's not working out on this show. So if you want to, um, you can take what we owe you and we can roll it into development and maybe we can develop something together. And in my head, I was like, why would I just not take the money that you're owed me and not do anything? But I was so drawn to her that I'm like, okay, sure. And that being fired is what led to this show that I co-created and spent five years with Jamie on called Franklin and Bash. So she, she somehow navigated me through a very bad time and a good time. And um, I'll tell you that writers are neurotic. And you know that like... Many of us don't really understand or trust the idea of a non-writing producer being among us. Like I, I used to say, like, I know what an actor does and I know what a director does and I know what a writer does, but I'm not sure what this non-writing producer does. I couldn't have been more wrong. Jamie um, creatively is so supportive. And again, I'll tell you in a minute how this trick that she had um, that I've never experienced with anybody other than her. She was so supportive and she would try not to get in the way, but she would try to steer you where you needed to be. She had such great respect for writers and writing. And, and our pilot was about to fall apart because our star was about to pull out. And all of a sudden, here's this superhuman, Jamie Tarr says, she's like, and it was late at night and we were freaking out. She's like, I got this. And she put it all together. And for sure, there would be no show without her. She had no ego about wanting to have her fingerprints on things unless it was necessary. Um, but when it became necessary, she was kind of a force of nature. When I met her, I thought she was so cool and stylish and beautiful and funny. And she has this quality that I think is sorely lacking in people, which is the ability to make fun of herself. She, she'd make fun of you for sure. 
And 80% of the time it was nice. Sometimes it wasn't, but she made fun of herself. And, and when I think back on it now, like too much unduly, she had a picture in an early office that she was in when I first met her, I guess it must've been on, maybe it was on the Sony lot. I can't remember now, but um, as you know, she was running a network at a very young age and and she was the first to admit that she was really over her head in that job. And she kept a photo in her office that was of her on one of her first days. And she had 20 microphones in her face and as she's giving a statement. And the look on her face is one of total abject terror. And the fact, the fact that she was willing to have the world see her and she was willing to acknowledge that she was thrown in the deep end before she was ready was what was so, so wonderful. And the other thing um, that I'll say about her is how she would deal with writers and giving notes. And um, I've never, I've gotten lots of notes from people. Writers generally don't like them because they know that what they've written is perfect in, in, in its current form. And she knew that she grew up with writers and she grew up with people who were really talented and really funny. So she had this look that would tell you that you just pitched something really stupid. <laughs> it's something really stupid. But the look was kind of this reassuring, that was, that was stupid. You're better than that. I know you're better than that. We're going to get to where this thing needs to be. And I'm not going to make fun of you about it today. I'll make fun <laughs> of you about it for sure at some point. And so... There's a really brutal way to give notes. There's a really brutal way to tell writers that they fell short of the mark, which we do. And it's all subjective anyhow, but we do. And um, I love that look from her. She's the only person who, who could make me feel okay. Whether I, like I said, whether I had just gotten fired or whether I had just pitched something incredibly stupid. And she certainly understood that. And I, I, I feel this way too, that like, Pitching bad ideas is how you get to good ideas and pitching any ideas is the most fun part of what we do as writers and what she was such a big part of. Um, so when we had our offices, they were up in um, Santa Clarita, which is in the middle of nowhere. And so a couple times, eh, maybe once a week, twice a week, three times, she had an office up there, but she had a million other things to do. I'd be in the writer's room and I was always facing the window, pretending like I was listening to what other people were saying when really I just wanted them to stop so I could say my ideas. <laughs> and she'd pull up and I'd see her pull up in her Prius and I'd see her get out. And she was like, always like balancing a million things. And she was this skinny stick who had 70 pounds of stuff and was, had her phone against her ear and stuff like that. Oh, now I'm going to get sort of sad. And I just knew that, um, I knew when I saw her that my day was going to get so much better. Um, and even if I got that look, you know, I knew that my day was going to get so much better. And um, to think to think that I'm never going to see her pull up and I'm never going to see her get out of the car and she's never going to make everybody's days um, so much better. It's just, it's so unfair and it's so wrong. By the way, me getting all emotional like this would for sure earn me a look 
because she didn't go for that shit <laughs> in my experience. But I don't care. I miss her. I miss her. And, and that's kind of what I wanted to say about her. Hi, I'm Gabby Allen. I um, was very close friends with Jamie for a lot, a lot of years. We unfortunately only got to work together once, although we were always plotting and planning our next project. And we're always talking about what we were going to work on together. And she was bringing me ideas and I would bring her ideas. And um, unfortunately, it only sort of coalesced one time. We did a pilot together based on a book at ABC many years ago. I don't remember exactly how it all came together, but I remember that when I realized that I was going to be able to do with Jamie, I was ecstatic Um, because we had been trying to find things to work on together. And then it seemed like the stars were aligning on this one. And I was really excited. I, um, so that worked out, which was great. I read the book and loved it. It was called slummy mummy, but in British, we had to change the title. Um, and, um, and, we were both relatively new moms. So it was, uh, uh, it was about a mom who had, yeah, she left her, she had a very big high powered job as a news producer, uh, like a segment producer on a 60 minutes type show. And she, but she had three boys and she was, um, scaling back and, and was leaving her job for a bit. So she could focus on just being a mom it was too hard for her to, to do her job. So, um, so we both really related to it, both being both working moms and having young kids and, and balancing both. And she's this super messy character that Jamie and I both really related to. And we had a lot of fun working on Jamie gave great notes. She was really supportive. And it's really um, it's really a privilege to work with somebody who supports writers the way that Jamie did. And Jamie also, uh, I'd fooled Jamie into thinking that I was, um, I knew what I was doing. Um, she had a lot of faith in me, um, which was, which I really appreciated. She always had my back. And, you know, I have to admit, I was slightly nervous because, you know, she was Jamie, you know, she, she, and I, and I didn't meet Jamie when she was at ABC or, you know, I met her, um, just kind of after, and we didn't meet working. We met as, you know, we met through friends. So I hadn't, I hadn't had like a working relationship with her. And I was nervous because I, I, you know, she had a reputation for being, you know, she was exacting and she knew what she wanted and she was really is too strong, you know, and um, I just, we just had such a great time and I found her really supportive and loving and we had a lot of fun and, but she was firm with me when she wanted, you know, when she thought it, she should lead me in a certain direction. So she knew when to sort of push back and when to let me do my thing. And she had a lot of respect for the process and for writers. And um, we had a lot of respect for each other and a lot of fun. So, and I think that really, that, really showed. And, and I remember being relieved when we had our first note sessions, like, oh, it's gonna be weird to get notes from Jamie. And it was great. You know, she was great. And she kind of got into a little bit of a work mode, like it was all business for a minute. But then we, you know, the, the, the transition was seamless and, and, um, and, and it was really fun. And so then this is sort of like a work friendship 
slash friendship story because it says so much about who Jamie was personally and professionally. We're working on that project and it's going really well at first. I, the script is, it's, I really love the script. I'm happy with it. She's happy with it. Then we get into, you know, we, you know, when the honeymoon's over and, and like, as Andrew, as we were just talking about, like, oh no, it looks like it's going to go into production. And like, you're so excited for a few minutes, but then, you know, that, that honeymoon uh, doesn't last because then all the headaches of production. So we got a pickup, but it was cast contingent. Um, we were having a hard time casting it. Then they were thinking maybe it should be a multi-cam and it was a single cam. And I really felt like it should be a single cam. And, you know, we were getting into all of these obstacles that, uh, you know, the party was over. So it was kind of one thing after the next. At the same time, I was going through some personal things at home. And, you know, the pilot was getting just increasingly frustrating. And so I called Jamie and I left her message that I needed to talk. And um, she called me right back and she said, are you calling to tell me that you're quitting the pilot? And I said, no, I'm calling to tell you Rob has cancer. And she went, oh, phew. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But then in perfect Jamie fashion, you know, she had a million pilots in production. She had literally a newborn baby. Um, a toddler also literally within the hour she was on my couch and she was holding my hand and Rob's hand and um, she loved Rob supported me throughout that whole ordeal and and Rob's fine by the way for those of you who don't know Rob um, he uh, is doing great thankfully so uh, so um, you know and, and obviously the pilot while being very important to both of us took a back seat too. <laughs> what was important which was Rob's health and our friendship and um she was the first person sitting on my couch holding my hand when I got that news I just kind of got the news um um and that's uh my favorite and possibly only Jamie work story I mean I have a million Jamie stories but um but speaking to her as a producer that's uh as I said unfortunately the only one that I have I wish I had I wish I had a lot more and would have had she not been taken from us so early. I'm Nate Rieger. I'm Mike Lisby. And we met Jamie in 2006. And since then, we have done four pilots together that we sold and worked on two of Jamie's shows. um, Once actually with Jamie and her brother, Matt. Uh, and the last, we actually just sold a pilot in 2019 uh, to CBS with Jamie attached. And, um, you know, I've had like, she's one of our favorite people ever to work with and have had a great working relationship with her for for a really long time. And she was kind of always one of our go-to people. And and what was it about her that made you want to keep working with her? Um, this, I'm sure a lot of people have said this, but I'll say it again and it's fine. But she made... She made us so much better, like, like all the greats, like she just pushed us to and sort of maximized our abilities. Um, I think we're maybe like, especially with pilots can be lazy and, you know, you're just trying at some point with pilots, you're, you're just trying to get it in and she would never settle. She would always just push us to do better characters, get the story right. And honestly, it was just, it was it was such a treat to work with her. 
And one, one thing that Mike and I were both talking about with, with Jamie was that she, we, we always felt like there are two things I think about her that made us relate well and her relate to us, I think, which is one, having grown up with a father as a writer and a brother as a writer, we always felt like she thought like a writer. She had a writer's brain. It helped not only because you felt like she got you and got what you were trying to do, but it also felt like when she gave notes, she understood what it meant and what it was going to mean to you to do the work to make those notes happen. And that means a lot because there's a lot of people giving notes where it's just like, they have no idea what this one little thing they said is like, a, it's a train wreck. It's pulling this entire script apart and they don't, but Jamie always knew she knew what it meant when she gave a note and she knew what the result would be. And she knew the work you'd have to do to make it happen. So she didn't just give them to give them. She gave them because she knew they would have, you know, a really great effect on, on the end piece. You know? Yeah. And she was always really uh, appreciative you know, that it sounds like so, such a low bar and so little to say, but she would always like, she was always like, thank you. And she was genuine with like her thanks. And writers don't get that very often. It, it's a lot of and it. Is, like if she yeah. liked something, she would actually be like, yeah, yeah. guys, yeah. I love this. This is great. Like, you know, like, you know how it is, Andrew, you like send a script in, and literally they, they call for notes and they go, well, we got the script. Thanks, thanks for the work. Thanks for the work. Thanks for this. Yeah. Yeah. Not, it's not, I don't even think it's always thanks. It's just like we received it. <laughs> and then just launching into a litany of yeah. things they hated. Oh, everything you did wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she really tried to focus on the positive and there was definitely negative, but it was very surgical and not, a, like you said, a litany of things. This is like a story. I don't know if you can decide whether you want to include this. And I can't decide whether this is a good story or a bad story, but I loved it because she just, we just like kind of had like, there was a humbleness to her and the way she behaved. And there was a writer on a show we worked on and like got a joke in the show and almost never got a joke in the show and was like, that was my joke. That was my joke. And Jamie just turned to her and goes, we don't do that. <laughs> that was so great. And the other thing is that when, when you do a pilot with Jamie, at least for us, when we walked into those rooms to pitch, which is uh, at least for me is so nerve wracking and not really my thing. Like walking in with her just gave me so much more confidence because it's like, look, this, this lady likes this. Like, you should like it too. <laughs> like, you, you know, you know, she comes with a lot of respect. Like everyone, everyone respects her taste and, and her belief in you. So that her having that with us, it makes you, you're like, well, I mean, she, Jamie thinks it's good. <laughs> like, yeah. Sometimes, you know, as a writer, you, your confidence is not always, you know, on point. And so just being like, you know, she, everyone respects this person. This person is, is very good at what they do. So it just helps you feel good about going out there with stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, we definitely are going to miss having her as a, as a partner just because of how, you know, it's like there's not that many people you want to work with over and over again. We have a lot of producers we worked with and you're like, that was interesting. <laughs> Maybe someone else. Let's try someone else. But Jamie, we were just like, anytime she wanted to work or was available to work with us, we'd work with her again. Yeah, and we always talked about her as a third writing partner. Um, it was like the one person, if, if she ever did want to write something with us, I think it really would have, uh, it would have worked. It was just like a really good working partnership.
So I'm Hillary Winston, and I worked with Jamie Tarsus on Happy Endings and uh, Happy Valley, which was my first pilot that was ever shot, um, along with other pilots that nobody wanted to shoot. Yes, we all got those. Mm-hmm. Um, so just uh, tell me what you think made, made Jamie special to work with. You know, one of the things and, you know, Jamie was a very intense person and, you know, it's the exact kind of person that you want in a producer. And she never wanted there to be anything that happened without her, you know, like not a casting meeting, not a call, not a notes, not a like she could come on the call five minutes late. And it was a nightmare to schedule with her because she wanted to be a part of everything. But that's what made her such a good producer. I mean, you know, we've all been in situations where you're chasing a producer around trying to get their attention on something and you never had to beg for Jamie's attention. She always was on top of everything. And what was amazing, though, is that she wanted to be on top of everything going on in your life as well. So it wasn't like she was all work. She also wanted to know at that time, you know, when we did our first pilot together, what was happening with the guy was just starting to date, you know, well, well, if he was going to move in, well, how was that going to work? Had he ever lived with anybody? You know, like she <laughs> was that intensely involved in every aspect of your life. Yeah. You just really got the sense that she cared and not yeah. just you were just some projects, you know, some potential sale for her. Yes. She really, she cared in such a bigger sense about everybody that she worked with. And I think that's why she, you know, really cultivated such a great group of people that she kept working with again and again because she had those types of connections with people. And it wasn't, I don't think it was worth it to her to just go work with somebody that she wasn't going to feel that way about. You know, what's funny is there's, there's one thing that I always remember and it's because it was something that she made me feel guilty about, which Jamie was very good at. Um, I, when I had had a pilot picked up when I was working on happy endings, we were all going through casting and it was crazy. And I said, well, I just don't know if I can keep working on happy endings right now. And she just looked at me and she was like, uh, yes, you can. <laughs> you know? uh, she was like, yeah. And it was just that look of she had a million other pilots going, a million other things, not to mention she's also producing, you know, happy endings. And she was just kind of like, yeah. And that was how she was about lots of things. Like, you know, anytime that you gave her any resistance about something, she was like, come on, you can dig deeper. You can, you know, be better is something that I've heard from a lot of people. And I was like, that's absolutely 100% Jamie is that you can be better. You can do it. You can add more. You can do it all. You know, one of the things that made her different was she really tried to shield the writer from all the extra kind of BS that comes along with the pilot. Um, You know, she really felt like the writer's job, even if you were going to end up show running the project, was to focus on the creative and to focus on what got that pilot picked up in the first place or what got them to buy the idea in the first place. And she really tried to manage a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. So you really didn't have to see and hear that. And I think it's something that I didn't fully appreciate. Um, I remember on the pilot I did then with the producer after her, I was like, oh my gosh, now I see all this nitty gritty stuff and I'm learning it. And I thought that was cool. And then the next project, I was like, I don't want to deal with any of that. And I just realized what a benefit it was that she kind of took all of that, absorbed all of that for you so that you have this creative space. And I know other writers um, that I'm friends with that she worked with, she really did that for too. And that is such a luxury. You know, you finish a draft of a script 
and you don't know if it's like the best or the worst thing you've ever written. And, you know, she was, she was just always there. She was, she was always there in a really real way. So she was also there to not just tell you this is great. She was there to tell you, no, this is the worst rewrite you've ever done. <laughs> you know? um, she really, she did not care about, she was not worried about your feelings because she did such a good job protecting your feelings, if that makes sense. You know, um, she was protecting your feelings in all of the right ways and not protecting them in wrong ways. So I would feel like she protected you from things that were totally unnecessary, you know, from the studio and from the network. But then when she had to be really honest with you about something, um, I felt like she was. And, and that was really so beneficial. And I don't think that I would be where I am now, um, you know, having a shot a lot more pilots since that first pilot, if I hadn't had that type of experience. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, is, is Jamie would allow herself, you know, like, you knew Jamie, like to have her moments of like kind of freaking out and then she would shake it off and it would be like on to the next thing. So I felt like it was never like you weren't allowed to like be like, uh, this is a totally fucked up situation. <laughs> like, why did they buy this idea if they didn't want to do it? And now what are we supposed to do? And, you know, it was kind of like you could have that moment of freaking out and then that's it. It's over and we're on to the next thing. And, you know, I really carry that with me too. You know, it's okay to freak out. It's okay to be upset about something, but then it's time to move on from that. Yeah. And how about going into those pitches uh, with her? How, what was she like in those rooms? Oh, I mean, everybody wanted to be around Jamie, you know? I mean, it was just one of those, one of those things where like, usually everybody just kind of like glosses over at like the intro or something that, you know, the studio or the producers give about like why they love you and why they wanted to do a project with you. With Jamie, I mean, it's just was, there was such a respect from everybody um, everywhere that, you know, they were actually leaning in and listening to what she had to say in those intros, you know, and that was just so amazing to see just the effect that she had on people. Yeah, I think for people that don't do what we do, sometimes it's hard to understand what this role of this, of the producer is. Yeah. Um, you know, there's still those people that are just like, isn't that the person that puts up the money? You know, there's that level of, right. yeah. yeah. Um, and Jamie to me just embodied what that, what that role is, which I, I, you know, I don't know if you could take a stab at sort of summing up what that role was, was for, for you that she provided. You know, I think that for me, and it was also at this time that, uh, you know, we were doing this together, even though we're not, our ages are not like, it's not an age thing, but she was like a parent, you know, a parental like figure to me, I felt like kind of leading me into, you know, this world. And I was so in awe of her, you know, a better way to put it away. Jamie would like better was to say big sister. <laughs> um, you know, it was a, you know, a big sister that was kind of like, you know, yeah, that's much better. And she's a big sister that was kind of ushering you into the kind of grown up world. Like you had known a different kind of world. I'd known a staff world. And then she kind of ushered me into the next world, which is how do you take, you know, the voice that, you know, you're dying to get out the voice that you're basically just, you know, paid to use for somebody else's idea and stuff. And how do you kind of get it out there into the world? And that is seems so obvious. And nowadays people write original pilots and stuff all the time as samples. And when I was starting out people, you know, you wrote specs of other shows. So, 
the process of birthing your original voice was really, really difficult. You know, it was scary. Um, it also felt like, and it's the truth that when you put your original voice out there for the first time, sometimes people outright kind of reject it. And that, that's, that's, that stays with you for a while in your career, you know, and and then you can reinvent yourself, but there is this debut of your voice. And she was very, very aware of that. And it was, it was something that she really helped me with and would tell me at different points, this is really important. How you, how you deal with this, how you handle with this here, how you deal with these people. She was always really instructive about, you're going to see all these people again. (laughs) You know, (laughs) this is your, this is your Hollywood class. You know, this is not a one-off pilot and you're never going to see these people again. You know, this is your community. And it's just, she just was able to show me the kind of like the ways of the business. And I just, it was such an essential education. She invented a category unto herself of manager, therapist, producer, mentor. You know, it was, it was everything rolled into one. I am Jonathan Groff, and I'm a writer and showrunner, and I worked with Jamie Tarsus on Happy Endings for three seasons, starting in, I guess we made the pilot in the spring of 2010, I think. Yes. And, uh, and then we did 57 episodes, and then it, it uh, got moved around the schedule, and we were actually probably lucky to get 57 episodes because the show was kind of bananas. But I remember my first time. So Jamie Tarsus is Jamie. First of all, I mean, I will rave about her as a partner and producer in a second. But um, you know, she's somebody we had always I'd always just heard about, and she's Jamie Tarsus. When I was living in New York and working late night with Conan O'Brien, she was like, you know, that was her run at um, at ABC, running being the president of ABC Entertainment, and just knowing about her. And people in New York knew her and talked about her and were friends with her. But I remember the first time I, I laid eyes on her, it was like meeting a, seeing a celebrity. I didn't even have the courage to speak to her. I was at the CVS, the South of Ventura CVS at, at uh, Laurel Canyon and uh, Ventura. Okay. So there's those two CVSs. One used to be a Longs maybe, and then one was a CVS. So it was the South, Southbound CVS. And she was kind of in line ahead of me. And she was unmistakably Jamie Tarsus because she was gorgeous. and just had that presence and, and I didn't have the courage to talk to her, but I was like, Oh cool. I just saw Jamie Tarsus. <laughs> I think I told her that when I first met her, you know, a few years later and she was like, Graf, what? You're an idiot in her usual dismissive style. But so when I first actually got to meet her, I got this call that my pilot had just been passed on at ABC, but there was a pilot that Steve McPherson was really excited about and they were going to make with a brand new first time writer named David Cast and Jamie Tarsus is producing it. Well, I could not get over uh, in my car fast enough to the Sony lot where her office was to meet her. And so tell me about what she was like as a producer dealing with her on happy endings. Well, she was great. That, that show was, had a lot of, a lot of pressure on it because Steve McPherson was running ABC at the time really had identified it as like, this is a show I love. And that is sometimes the, pet the bunny to death kind of project a little bit. So, and Sony was really, you know, all the great people at Sony were very like invested in it. So it was a lot of, 
pressure on it to get that right cast. Um, Joe, and, Joe Russo and Anthony Russo were directing it and they were coming off of, you know, Arrested Development and they had community on the air already. And, um, they were really heating up to become mega stars. Um, so there were a lot of personalities and David was new, but cast was new, but he was, you know, a had strong opinions about how he wanted it to go, but they had already cast, um, pretty much Damon Wayans Jr. Before I actually got brought onto the project, he was like the first person they saw. And then it was Adam Pally. And then we got Alicia and then Casey and, uh, um, uh, um, Eliza Coop, um, Casey Wilson and Eliza Coop. And, and they, they, I think Eliza and Zach were Knight were the last two casts, but there was, Jamie was just like, she knew how to make this kind of show, you know what I mean? Like she, had, she had been so instrumental in bringing friends on. So she was great at like, with all of us, like who's really got it, you know, and who are these special people we're going to find. She was really had obviously been with the project from the beginning because she had helped David shape it and get it to this thing that ABC and Sony was thrilled about and ABC loved. Um, and then she was really good at, um, the sort of strategizing with the network and how to present stuff and, you know, to the studio and to the network. I will say though, for somebody who had done it before, and I think other people have said this, who have been at that top position, she didn't love all the phone calls and, and pressure and I'm going to back channel this way and that, like she really liked the work. She liked the weighing in on the scripts and being in the casting and, and, and sitting talking about what could be a season arc and stuff. She could do all the other stuff and was good at it. And she, you know, she, I think she had maybe like hired Steve McPherson back in the day or something. So she and he clicked and she was able to get insight to him. I think it was kind of towards the end of his tenure at ABC. So I think she was able to figure out like what stress he was under and what would work to kind of make him feel better about what we were trying to do and casting we were doing. So, she was, she was just really good at that. And then the other thing that she was, you know, this is, and this has been said, but it was true. Like she, she was the best ally of writers. Like she really probably to a fault always had your back as the writers. And I say to a fault because she probably cost herself money, I think on some level, because she let me and and I, I'm to blame in this, but she let me, and David Cast, she didn't let us, but she was complicit in us creating this, I think, super funny, but perhaps alienating show <laughs> that was too fast paced and had too many jokes and, you know, showcased all those hilarious actors and has a cult following and was a cult hit in quotes. But, you know, I would pitch her stories. I was usually the one to pitch her the stories that we were going to do. And she would be like, John, just give me something so I can root for, you know, Dave and, and Alex, you know, or Penny and, and her new boyfriend. Like, let me hook onto something emotionally. And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're going to have this crazy thing funny where they're going to set fire to the apartment across the street. And, and you know, they're going to shoot a, a Nerf gun into Paul Shear's ass as the guest cast. And, and it's going to, he's going to knock over a thing and fire. And, and she'd be laughing and, you know, she'd be wanting to be like, yeah. She wanted to say, shut up and, you know, do the big heart-filled, heartfelt story that's going to bring in the audience. And we did do a lot of that. And I'm proud of the stuff that we did. And I think people did care about Dave and Alex and Brad and Jane. And 
and uh, Penny and her boyfriend of the week and Max and his love interest as, you know, this interesting gay character that nobody had ever seen, you know, so she was, but it was to her fault probably that she didn't just like, <laughs> guys, don't stop because she was laughing and she liked what we were doing. She loved the show and she loved comedy. So she was incredibly, incredibly hardworking, like always read everything super fast and like got the work done. And I remember she was making four pilots when we were making the Happy Endings pilot. The Happy Endings was a really hard pilot because we, it was really hard to cast. We set the bar really high, you know, for ourselves. So it was a hard pilot to make and to, and, to, and uh, it just, you know, and then the Russo brothers shot it really well, but they shot a massive mountain of footage. Um, and we pushed extra days and then we actually had to, we didn't, nobody liked the ending that we had. It was talky and sad. So we like reshot, like we probably shot that pilot for like eight days. And then we did reshoots, which was, a sign that they liked it and wanted to make it work, but um, it was really hard. And she was doing three other pilots. She was doing Franklin and Bash, Mr. Shun Sunshine with Matthew Perry, and then she was uh, doing uh, True Love, Matt Tartus's multi Mad Love, Mad Love. Thank you, uh, a multicam that her brother Matt was 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 writing and producing. Uh, and on top, I think she still had you know duties on um, Hawthorne which was the um, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith show. Um, so she was really busy. So we had like some nights in editing that pilot where it was like passing out on your feet kind of nights. And I also remember the first night we saw the director's cut, Anthony and Joe had shot so much great footage and really we knew we had it, but they were off to do another pilot as directors. So they kind of handed us this director's cut that was like, uh, here's a rough idea of what this could be. And we had- See you later. Yeah, bye. <laughs> Off to the next pilot. And we had so much footage to go through. We had like numerous editors working on that project because on that pilot because it was insurmountable. And Jamie just was she was there for all of it, you know, as much as she could be, but she had three other projects. We used to joke like which which, which child do you love the most? Well, she you never really felt for somebody who had been at the upper echelon of, of network television. She didn't use that as a cudgel in any way to say like, I know better or I know you have to change this because that's not going to fly. Like she, again, probably to her detriment had our backs and maybe it's her background. She was funny. Her brother's a comedy writer. Dad was a comedy writer, you know, both extremely talented. She'd been around it for a long time. She was around. You know, maybe coming out of the era of, of uh, Warren Littlefield and, and others at NBC, who I think really like let writers sort of take it, you know, to, to a place with friends and Seinfeld and so on. But that, that was maybe a culture that she came out of. But she was really good about the gentle suggestion and uh, articulating what it was she wasn't feeling and putting it into words. And um and she's just good. She's also like smart about what was missing in a cut. And she's really smart about casting. She was good at like, could you call Steve McPherson and try to figure out what he's thinking? <laughs> Which again, I don't think she loved doing that part of it, but she would do it. And she was fun too. She was fun to just hang around with, you know, and sit on a set with and, and tease and get teased <laughs> by. My name is Amy Harris. I professionally go by Amy B. Harris. Um, and I was lucky enough to start working with Jamie 11 years ago 
on a project that didn't go called General Jill. And my most recent project with her was The Wilds uh, for Amazon Prime, where she brought me in to show on the show uh, after they had shot the pilot. And um, through those uh, basically 12 years, um, I've gotten to work with her a lot. And I feel bad saying this, but by far my favorite uh, producer, uh, non-writing producer I've ever worked with. Just brilliant, talented, smart, great story ideas, everything. She just sort of, usually producers are like a little bit of like, there's one thing they're wonderful at. And then, but she was so good at all of it. Like the notes and she was brutally honest, which sometimes was, I, I had a project that wasn't with her and I was really trying to feel my way around it. And it was very outside of my comfort zone. And I I just said, can you read it for me? And she read it and she called me back and said, I don't know what, how to give you notes on this. And I was like, what, what do you mean? She's like, I hate it. (laughs) I was like, what? She's like, I hate every, you did a great job creating a world and, and it was for an actor. So it was very specific to him and what he wanted. She said, you did a great job. I just hate every last one of these characters and I would never watch the show. And if I don't feel excited about the idea of watching it, I don't, I would never want to like, I can't even give you notes. I don't, I, I don't know what to say, except I don't like the world at all. And I was like, okay. And I, and I knew she was right. Uh, it was like, and it was, it was a, I, it's still a script that I'm like, oh, I did a good job trying that weird writing lesson out, but she was right. It wasn't a world anybody would ever want to see. Um, she was really good at knowing what that was. Yeah. I was like, oh, that like, you know, got slapped a little bit. And then I was like, yeah, like the good news is now also whenever Jamie tells me she loves something, I will always know she's tell she just wasn't a bull. I knew that anyway before she said that. But you know, sometimes as a writer, you need a little <laughs> boosting, and producers are very good at that usually. But I knew actually she wouldn't boost me at the expense of the project, which really actually made me feel quite. Um, I don't know how you like to work, but I assume I'm a. I like to bathe in my own self loathing and assume I'm a fraud. From the minute I write, you know, the first uh, sentence. To the <laughs> Is there another way of writing? I'm not aware. I of don't one. know. I'd be really <laughs> happy to hear and find out how to do the other version. But just to know that she didn't feel like she had to coddle me made me feel really good. Um, and know that when it wasn't good enough, she would tell me that. Um, and so was the wilds, is that the first, um, show you did together that, that was, that was produced and yes. Yes. Uh, so um, what was that like? You know, now she's, if you've developed with her, but now you're doing all the other things that are involved in yes. the show. It was, well, first of all, we were traveling, we were commuting together to New Zealand. So it was spectacularly fun and weird and jet laggy and sitting on each other's seats in the airplane, you know, on our 12 hour flights, um, and forgetting stuff. And I got fined $400 for having an apple in my bag and, you know, she didn't let me live. <laughs> um, 
it was amazing. I mean, she, she kind of does it all. Like she was very, I mean, she has exquisite casting taste. She would, but she, here's what I love about Jamie. She kind of knew when to be involved and then knew when to be like, like she would come to the writer's room for six minutes and say, I don't want to interrupt because I know this isn't my world. And just wanted to say hi. If you want to pitch me stuff, great. If you want to wait and pitch it when it's more fully realized. She was so good at a lot of people want to kind of jump in and be in everything. And she was like, she knew exactly how to get the best work out of everybody. And having like the great Jamie Tarzis in a writer's room with a lot of writers who are in awe of her wasn't always like the easiest thing for the writers to feel natural. They were all like, hi, like you really, I always forgot that that's, you know, she has this larger than life uh, persona for people. But um, yeah, I really, it was amazing. She would, and her whole thing, so hard on story, like not good enough, not good enough. Like, yeah, the script's good, but it doesn't have this or it doesn't have that. Or I want it to push more here. And she was always right. Um, so then when we got to set, uh, you know, we would sit on set and give notes and we would get into disagreements and she'd be mad at me and be like, I'm furious. You know, she would be so furious at me as if I'd like, you know, told her that she was the worst person ever. I was like, look, I just don't agree with that note. And we'd get into it. And I like that because I'm from a family of, you know, fighting it out and loving each other. Um, so for me, it was awesome. Um, and just so good at everything, like from taking the meetings with the hair and makeup people to talking to agents whose actor, you know, actors were feeling vulnerable or needed to be put in their place. She was so, she was kind of good at everything. She really, you know, I have a lot of anger about the New York Times obituary because I think it kind of missed the point of Jamie, which was she didn't find the right job until she was a producer. Um, she hated that job at ABC. And we talked a lot about, you know, she was often offered and up for jobs as network heads and streaming heads along the way. And she didn't like, she didn't like it. She liked the creative and thank God, because she was so good at it. And those jobs are never about the creative. They're about the marketing or massaging this person or re what research says. And she just had really good taste and knew and knew how to make things that she see a, a script and know how to get that from page to screen. And that is a producer. And so I got that for me was very beyond that. It was just so sexist and disgusting. Um, what pissed me off? Well, it all pissed me off equally, but I was kind of devastated that they didn't acknowledge and celebrate the fact that she actually ended up in the job she really wanted. And I think uh, was most happy doing. And by the way, and I don't care for me, but like try mentioning the wilds, a show that she <laughs> did made happen created the team that got it up on its feet and on the air that got picked up four days after it launched with great reviews. Like, why don't you mention like, that's the story is that we all get to reinvent ourselves. And she was so young. And then it's like, that's her story was for me, it was just infuriating because the reality is like Jamie was one show away from being like 
a massive Uber producer. And even still, she was. She was prolific. She had a million projects going. Um, and it's like, to me, it was just deeply unfair to say like success is, you know, this and not that. Um, so that infuriated me. And she really, her passion was producing. Her passion was not being a network president. She hated it. Mm-hmm. I have this thing I do now called um, WWJT, what would Jamie think? And it's sort of, um, I'm sort of trying not, at, at first I kind of was just using it in the room and the writer's room, like, would she think that story is too soft? Would she think the story is too stupid? Would she think I don't have enough story? Would she feel like, come on, give me a plot twist. But now I'm starting to kind of use it in my life too. <laughs> Do you think because there's obituaries it's painted her so much as this um, path breaking woman in the business, which obviously she was. Do you think she thought about that? I don't think so. I mean, I remember once we were like taking a walk and she was like, well, I have to leave soon because I have to get ready for uh, at some luncheon. And it, and it was like a luncheon about like, you know, trailblazers, like, and I would often forget that she was that because I think it was not anything she led with or thought was important. Um, the receptionist, whenever we went up to ABC, was, I think, there when she was president of, and was always super excited to see her. And it was clear there was like this, um, I forget whether she said, hello, Miss Tarsus. I think she did. And Jamie was like, it's Jamie. And, um, but you could just see that she had meant something to this woman. And I think not just because she probably walked in and was incredibly warm and lovely to her every day, but because that was the first time a woman had ever held that job. But I don't think that's how she saw herself. I really don't. I think she was in the best way in the present, like hungry for what was next for her and what shows she could get on the air and talking about new ideas and, Oh, I just read this article. And what do you think? Would you want to write this? Or would you think you know somebody who you'd like to write this? You know, she was, she was, and I really, I really respect this. Like she was very in the present and like what comes next. She did not like to live a lot in the regrets, um, which I think, uh, is is wonderful because you know she had a big moment obviously being the first female president at such a young age but it definitely didn't feel like any it didn't feel like who she wanted to be or how she wanted to be remembered that's why I have such rage because she was so talented and creative and a wonderful producer and that should have been the the first half I get it so tell us all about trailblazing Jamie Tarzis. But the second half should have been about the amazing things she did after that. She was a, a great friend, um, a brilliant producer uh, and a partner. I'll never have a partner like her again. I know that. And that um, that's, a, a, you know, I, look, my loss is nothing in comparison to what her family is going through. But I... I just feel very lucky that she entered my life as a a producer and um, was my friend. That's where I'll always want to like live with her. I'm Eric Gillen. Uh, I worked with Jamie. Uh, She picked up a show of mine short lived on ABC when she was president. 
I that I worked with her. I exec produced with Betsy Thomas on Betsy Thomas's My Boys for four years, and then I did uh, Mr. Sunshine with Matthew Perry and, and Jamie. And in between those, Jamie and I sold a pilot to TBS, and then we drank a lot. This is my favorite Jamie's Carson story. Um, I had a development deal at 20th Century Fox, and Jamie was president of ABC Television. And uh, she, um, we had to have a lunch because, like, the, this, we'd known each other for years from parties and just hanging out, but we had to have an official development guy, president of network lunch together. Uh, a sort of a swanky place in Santa Monica. And we kind of mocked what we're doing. So what are we doing in the fancy place in Santa Monica? But we had a gangbusters lunch. We had so much fun and laughed our asses off. I don't know if you talk about work at all. We might have, I don't know, but we just laughed and chatted and it went for hours and we eventually had to get back to our offices. And uh, we, we said have dinner next week. Yeah, definitely. And uh, nice to meet you, President of ABC. <laughs> and uh, then um, I went back to my office at, at 20th Century Fox. And uh, the, the, um, the, the execs there called me up and said, how was, how was lunch with Jamie Tarsus? It was, I said, it was great. We had so much fun. We laughed our asses off. We didn't want to leave. We have, we're having dinner next week. I said, really? She was okay? She seemed okay? I said, she seemed better than okay. We had a, it was just a lovely, funny you get uh, Jamie Tarsus laugh that that double over gut laugh she has. That was the entire afternoon, and they said, "Huh?" I said, "Why are you going?" Huh? That was the day that Janice Hirschberger's New York Times Magazine article came out, slamming her the cover story, and Janice Hirschberger, horrible, horrible person, uh, who spent like a couple of weeks with her in her office, going to meetings, and then just slammed her, impressed like it was. It was. It made all the papers. I mean, everyone in town was talking about it and she didn't bring it up once. She had read it that morning. She didn't bring it up at lunch. We laughed for hours and I had no idea that she had just been slammed by the New York times. It's amazing. My, um, my, my, my word for her, I mean, she could do that. My, my word I've chosen for her is indefatigable. You can't bat her down. Uh, she's just, okay, what next? Let's do something cool. And you know what I love, Eric? It's Lynn. It was Lynn Hirschberg, but fuck her so much. Let's call her Janice Hirschberger. Oh shit! Really? <laughs> Who's Lynn Hirschberger? Lynn Hirschberg. Hirschberg is the woman who wrote that that New York Times article. Wait, I don't know. You just made up Janice Hirschberger, but that's fine. We'll call Lynn Hirschberg Janice Hirschberger for All the right, purposes I'm not of this. Names, Jim. <laughs> and yeah. then, what was it like? Um, you know, working with her on My Boys and on the other things you did. Dream. Uh, she as Betsy will corroborate anyone who works with probably will corroborate her notes are spot on. She, whatever, whatever style you're doing, it's a broad comedy. If it's an introspective uh, dramedy, she would shift her brain and go, okay, got it. I think maybe this would be better. And often nine times out of 10, she was like, Oh yeah. She always said she wasn't a writer, but she was a fantastic writer. She didn't like maybe like put her hands uh, to a keyboard, but she would just sit and think and go, boom, how, how about that? And you go, oh, yeah, that's good. Um, and if sometimes you sort of go, I don't know, it kind of messes up the second act. She'll sit back and go, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, you're right. Mess, forget it. It messes up the second act. Forget it. No one does that in TV or in life. 
She just she just was so smart and good and, and, and respected the writer. Like, yeah, I'm sure everyone's told you this. Respect the writer so much. And she was a writer. Sure. Tell me a running charade story. Uh, uh, she's a, a, a wee little tiny girl. And sorry, woman. And uh, uh, we were at playing uh, running charades, big house. <clears throat> I believe it was Kristen Johnson's house. Yes, it was. And uh, she was, we were all in separate bedrooms and you run out to get the clue and you run back to your rooms to do charades. She came out, hit the door. The door fell off its, its hinges to the floor. She leaps over the door and says, what's the clue? And she goes back in and the rest of the team following suit because you can't let her down would leap over the door for the entire rest of the round. <laughs> I don't know how she knocked the door off its hinges because she was tiny, but yeah. Dogged. She wanted it that much. She wanted that much. And, you know, for what? For fun. <laughs> right. Just for fun. It's probably her. I, I've, uh, when I, since I moved to New York like 20 years ago, I'd become not a foodie, but a regular at, at, at cool restaurants. And we're, just, you know, noodling around. And she said, You go to restaurants all the time. Your best friends are all restaurant people. Can you corral that in somehow? And light bulb went off. And I wrote a, uh, or pitched, but with her boy about about a a chef, um, who lives in New York and goes back to her hometown. But uh, to be in a pitch with Jamie Tarsus is is well. First, you rehearse your ass off, of course. It's because we were put on a show, and I would say, okay, Jamie, I need you to, to this joke here, or you got it. She go, I got a joke for this part. So we would rehearse it with the ad lib jokes. And just go in and we were just balls of fire. Just, just, it just nailed it at every place. They were like, we were a team. Um, uh, she, yeah. She would be probably the more serious one, but she would have fun with me. I make fun of that guy's shoes and she'd be on board and um, have her at your side is just, you're, you can't lose. You can't lose. She's great. She was, she's just as fun. And she's again smart is another adjective that must come up a lot in these interviews. Oh yeah. Yeah. And had read everything and and seen everything. Everything. Yeah. Uh it's it's so funny. That's such a it's again like oh yeah, was, she was your writing partner for that for that pitch. And it's another part yeah, of being yeah. a writer that she she did and could do so well and yet never wanted to to actually make that leap to never say I'm writing. Yeah. She always say I'm just a non-writing producer, I'm an executive. But how about this brilliant idea? Oh, yeah, you're right again. <laughs> um, and so since you so you knew her going back to the network days, yeah. network head days, you talk about just sort of you know that shift and uh, I'm going to want to prompt you, but it seems to me like so much happier when she got out of that and, and, and moved into you know producing. But just to talk about that, that change from that huge moment uh, with the public spotlight on her to what the rest of her career was. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sure she's proud of being the, the youngest, most female president of a network ever in the history of television. I mean, she, 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 she did say, I remember she put on... She just made the decision to put on like on Christmas Eve some black and white Christmas movie. I forget like it's a deep cut Christmas movie, and I said, "Wow, that's that's a good choice. That's interesting." She said, "Yeah, it's my mom's favorite movie," so I put it on. 
just just to make her mom happy. Um, yeah, Les Moonves ain't doing that. Uh, but when she she went into uh, you know producing with like Gavin and stuff, and I think that's much more familiar because she could focus on the writer, on the writing, on the production, on wardrobe. The great thing because I don't know. Right now, I'm wearing a flannel shirt. I've worn it every day for about five months. Um, Jamie would, I would go, I don't know about wardrobe. Help go on the, like the sh- various shows and my boys are on this, that's life show. Just go going down and I'll just follow a nod. Uh, Cause she just knew that, not that, that, not that. Cause I can't do that. Most writers can't, I don't think. Look what you're wearing. <laughs> <laughs> And again, her doubled over throaty laugh. There's nothing like making Jamie Tarsus laugh like that. It's just you, you, you. It's like you're hitting the 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 hammer on the the jingles up and clangs the bell. It's just it's great. That's not a very good description, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> terrible simile. I talked to Amy Harris yesterday and yeah. made me. I, I had not watched the Wilds, and I, I watched the pilot last night. And I'm like, this is fucking. This is great. I haven't um, seen this. It's right. It's really good. She spent so much time over there doing everything. And yeah. Amy, Amy's like, is just so upset that she can't share it with her and you know, get her notes. Cause we all want her notes. No one wants network notes. No one wants studio notes. We want Jamie Tarsus notes. That's a good quote, isn't it? <laughs> That's a good soundbite. <laughs> get that. Well, I'm McCray Dunlap. Uh, I worked uh, for and with Jamie for the past four and a half years. Uh, I started working at Fanfare in 2016 uh, as her assistant, um, then became her development and production executive. I think like even from the moment I met her, she just has a presence about her. Um, She had a presence about her that just was really someone who uh, commanded the room, commanded respect and just like had this like deep, seemed to have like a deep knowledge of whatever you were talking about. And, you know, for us, it was obviously a lot of, a lot of TV and film, but she just, yeah, I think that she, you just, you wanted her respect regardless of what you were talking about. I think Jamie is a person that, um, I think she asks a lot of people. She asks a lot of herself. Uh, I think that she, she held herself, especially to a really high standard. And I think she held the people around her to a high standard as well. Um, but she was hardest on herself. And so I think working for her, it was, it was such a great experience for so much of it because she asked a lot of you and even just being around her, I learned so much just through osmosis. You know, she's not the type of person that's going to hold your hand. And to me, I really, I liked and appreciated that because she also would then trust you to kind of like throw me on the deep end and like, you know, have, have me figure things out for myself. Um, and she's also like, she's somebody, at least for me, especially since her death, like I've seen people tell all these stories about her. I never got that like really close friendship level with her. And I think some people, you know, when they're assistants and execs, like they, their relationship with their bosses is, was a lot more friendly. Like, I don't think Jamie and I, like, I think we were cordial, but we never got to that friendship level. Um, but she just, she had these moments where, um, when she lit up and she really was talking to you, talking to me in a personal level, I really cherish those moments, but on a professional, in a professional sense, like I just, I just respected the hell out of her. I just, I, I, I yearn to just be around her, be in meetings with her and just, and just watch her work. It's, 
it, there's probably so much I learned that I didn't even, I don't even realize that I learned just being around her. I mean, I think her kind of her, her biggest philosophy, I just always, it, it always rings out to me is just like making it so much about the writer and the writing. You know, I think that it's really tough to not, um, to not try to put your stamp on things, to put your, you know, as a producer to, to want to take things over. Um, and I'm sure Jamie, especially when she got to her level, she had that, that sense of wanting to just really impart herself onto things. But at the end of the day, her, her biggest, um, kind of our company's call, you know, calling card and what she wanted to do was be a writer's producer, really just champion the writer and their vision and their, what they wanted to do. I think she was like, she would say so often that she wasn't a writer, but really she had a writer's mindset that she just imparted on being a producer. She was never, ever somebody who like <laughs> who uh, listened to the studio or network. I think she was definitely more of like, I want to work for the writers and the creators and the showrunners. And I, I just, to me, the, that rings true to, to any project that we have and what I want to do going forward because it's their, it's their vision. And especially for people who are maybe younger or less experienced writers and creators. She was such a great champion for those people because it's really hard because not a lot of people are champions for the, the lower level creators. And Jamie was, and she had the ability to get those shows made and she had the ability to keep their vision intact. I just think that's so, it's so hard. And I don't think people realize how hard it is to, to, um, to, to get a show made when they're young, but with somebody like Jamie, she made it, easy and feasible and i think it's just because she wanted she just wanted writers to be successful i I have a really brief anecdote i don't know if you're interviewing him but um one of my like my first week on the job jay chandra sekar uh met with jamie i I don't even know what it was about um and he's just sitting there and i'm sitting we had an office where i was like sitting right across from everyone was waiting for jamie and he just randomly said uh she gives the best notes in the business. You're really lucky to have this job. And I'm just remember thinking like the dude from super troopers, such a formative person for me. And then uh, for him to say that I, I have, I will never forget that. And I think it's, I think it's true. I think that her ability to give notes, um, first of all, she just, I think it, it was almost like a savant. Like she was just a genius in notes. Like she, she had the ability to not only give a note that's, good and uh helpful but the the ability to give it to a writer and it's not i don't think she was ever like ever insulting or derogatory even if the note was really small she's had a way of speaking to writers that was like complimentary but also like hey you need to do this to make it better and i think that's a really tough balance to strike and she did it i I don't think anyone i've never heard anyone give as good notes as her obviously i have heard her give the most notes out of anybody but um yeah, just that ability to like get people to listen to her. Cause I think, I mean, you're a writer and like, I'm it's, it's, I think sometimes people tune out notes or like they try to dance around, not, not taking the notes and make excuses. And Jamie had a way of talking that was direct, concise, informative and made it better and also made the writer not feel like shit. And I think that's really, really, really hard. Um, and I don't know if there was like a specific, like, I don't know what her trick was. That's like, I'm kind of like frustrated because I don't know what her like secret was. And I think it's just years and years of experience and the way she talked to people and, and the kind of the gravitas that she had. But, um, yeah, I think that she, I really do think she was a genius. And I think with like producing and with giving notes, um, people, 
it, people kind of think of it, it's almost like not a skill set. It's just kind of like a learned experience and stuff. But like, I really do think Jamie just had like, had some innate ability to like give notes and dive into material and make things better. Like she just had, I think she just had something that not a lot of people have um, in the industry. She liked, I've never met anyone that likes to read scripts as much as she did and that sound and watch tv but like especially with reading like it's almost it sounds crazy but she literally she loves she, she would love to read anything it was like hey send me send me just a lower level writer that you liked and i th- i always thought oh i'd send it to her and then she would forget about it an hour later she would call me and be like oh yeah that was really good she just liked to read she liked to just dive into stuff if you asked her like Andrea, I don't know if you, you I'm sure you did this at some point. If you just asked her for an opinion on something, she would actually read and read it and like like invest in it and send you notes, even if she had nothing to do with the project, even if it was a movie, like she didn't do features and she would still do that. Like it was just it's she really, really loved to do it and she was great at it. And you know, I mean, I'm I'm guilty of this. Like ask it, I'll say I'll read my friend's script and then maybe I get to it in a couple of weeks and like kind of half-ass it or whatever, but she she just loved it and and the same goes for TV. Like I, somebody else might have said this, but if you don't know, this should definitely be on the podcast. She has seen every single episode of Grey's Anatomy and like rem- can recall Grey's Anatomy episodes out of thin air. It's absolutely insane. Like I don't know, if, I don't know if like uh, anybody, I don't know if like ABC people have seen every episode of Grey's Anatomy. It's it's remarkable. She just she loved it. She she genuinely loved to, to read and watch everything. How she did it. I, I think she stayed up till two in the morning or she just like, she would literally be in downtime. She'd go to dry bar. She would just ask for two scripts to read and I would just send to her and she would read them at dry bar. You know, it's just, it's what she loved to do. She was great at it. It's, you know, I, I think on set too, like I'm just, I'm thinking about being on some of our shows, you know, she's, she's not a big person. She was small person. She's like in this, these like flowy clothes and she would sit in her, you know, then the producing chair and, and watch and you can never, you know, she's obviously watching and being a part of it, but she wouldn't give a lot of notes. Um, but then it, it would seem like after every take, everyone's eyes would kind of go to her and see if she had something to say, because then when she had that one thing to say, maybe every other scene or something, uh, again, it was just really informative and made everything better. And I think that she, I don't know. I, I just, again, just like her presence, I think it's, it's kind of impossible to overrate, um, yeah, her her presence on set and what she meant to to writers and to people on all the shows we we uh, we did, I, you know, just the respect that, that I had and, and everyone had working with her. They they just don't make them like that anymore, you know. Like it's just she really had that. Um, she really had that mindset, and I think like she also had this, uh, this like confidence and bravado that she just really she she wanted her she wanted to be a part of a part of the process so deeply i mean like she's she's somebody who's been around for a very long time um and but but she liked operating in a very small contained way i mean i was her, I, I was her only employee we had a two-person company and i think part of that was she just really wanted to be involved in every step of the process and again just helping people rather than trying to to take over um, and just to make sure that people were, were respecting the writer and respecting the material. Um, again, like it's, it came from such a genuine fanatical place rather than an ego place. And I think that's, um, I don't know. I just, I, she's one of a kind. 
I'm Jay Chandrasekhar. I'm a writer, director, actor. Uh, I made the film Super Troopers. Uh, and I met Jamie Tarsus first when she called me in on um, a pilot she was making for Comedy Central called Held Up. And she hired me as a director on this job. And, you know, it's interesting because um, she asked me if I wanted to help rewrite it. And I was like, you know, I'd gone through multiple situations in Hollywood where I would come into a project and say, oh, it has to be totally rewritten. And then everyone's like, wait, wait, why did we hire you? Uh, And then uh, and then I was at a moment in my life where I just said, you know what? You hired me to direct it. I'll just direct it. Uh, And so I didn't really get into the details of of what made her so great, which is, in my opinion, what I tell everybody, you know, even before before she died and after is that she gave the greatest notes in Hollywood, period, period. So and I know a lot of people like I know a lot of published novelists. I know people who have written major screenplays. I have my partners who I work with who are. I've been writing with since I was, you know, 21. Uh, and many of them are great, no kippers, but there's just this one, Jamie Tarsus had this unique ability. And it was interesting because she wasn't an official writer. She, but she just landed uh, her notes in a way that were, was just so, anyway, I'll get to that in a second. So uh, I didn't, I didn't uh, uh, know that she was such a great uh, note giver on this pilot held up. I directed it, almost went like all pilots didn't go. Um, years later, she called me and said, I want you to direct this show, Happy Endings. And, uh, so I went, I directed about four or five of those and that's where we kind of became friendly and close. And, uh, I mean, I wrote a little jokes here and there for, for, for actors on Happy Endings, nothing, nothing major, but, uh, um, and we, she and I sort of started talking about relationships and, I tend to be like, you know, I tend to be honest, right? I tend to try to be so honest that it, it, um, that it leaves no doubt as to that I'm honestly being honest. <laughs> so, uh, and I think, you know, so I told her about my relationship, my life, whatever. And she, she laughed and, and responded and told me some things about her own. And we started developing this thing uh, uh, called Really, which um, was, you know, like a, a, a show about eight couples who were married and, you know, there's a, was a way for me to do the jokes and ideas that I, she and I were talking about. And we ended up shooting a pilot for it, um, for Amazon eventually. And, uh, it was my favorite thing I've ever done. And, uh, it didn't go, uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it was about to go. And then the, there was, it was interesting. Whatever. It doesn't matter why it didn't go. Uh, everyone has a reason. So, um, uh, but, you know, the story uh, from the pilot really stuck with me. And she and I had subsequently become very close friends and our and our children went to school together and my wife and she became friends, which was interesting because of all the honesty that I delivered before. And now she had this unique friendship with my <laughs> wife, which is full and exclusive of me. Um, and she and her, her husband and I became friends and my wife and her husband, we all became really close. And uh spent a lot of time together and uh, uh, both through our children, but also really on our own with game nights and, 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 and skiing and all sorts of fun. Um, but there was always a thing, you know, there was always this unfinished thing between us in terms of, well, we have to make a show together. We have to make a show together. And so uh, in the story that I kind of 
haven't been able to let go about this. These eight couples, the story, I'll give you the quick story. The eight, there were eight couples. They all hang out. They're all very close. And then there's an affair happening within the group. And there's discovery of the affair and attempt to cover it up. And it's sort of like a suburban comedy thriller. That's the idea behind it. Anyway, so I, I decided to write the novel of this story. And I wrote, I wrote it. And it, it came in at about um, 490 pages. And I, I sent it to a few people, one of them being Jamie Tarsus. And I got notes from about four or five other people. And they all said, wow, this is an incredibly written novel. It's great. I love it. And it's this and it's that. And then I talked to Jamie Tarsus and she's like, how much time do you have? And I said, yeah, whatever. I mean, I, I can't believe you read it. I appreciate it. But let's talk. And she goes, okay, you're not going to love what I have to say. She goes, you've done a lot of great writing, but you need to cut about a hundred pages out of this thing. And I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, only she could tell me that, right? Nobody else was willing to say that to me. She's like, it's, there's so much wonderful stuff, but you gotta be, you gotta be reasonable here. We can't hear every single thought you've got. And then she went into very specific detail about what she loved and what she loved and what she loved. And then what she thought we could kind of re reimagine and stories from her life with Patty and stories from my life. We kind of, and so I went to work. And I, I, uh, I, I was like, it's impossible. It's impossible what you ask. But I went through and I, and I kind of started trimming and trimming. And when I was done, I cut 100 pages out. Uh, and the book was vastly better for it. Vastly, vastly better. Sadly, by the time I finished, uh, uh, she, had, she had basically slipped into whatever it was, a coma or whatever it was. And so I always was like, oh, <laughs> I mean, thank God she gave me the notes. Thank God I was able to do it. But I was always like, I need you to wake up so I can, you, can, you can read it and go, oh, this is this is it. I mean, I, you know, of course, I'm going to dedicate the book to her. But um, it it, you know, for me, the the these people are not. Uh, they're not really replaceable. It's just like, you know, you write something, and you're like, well, it's, it's Jamie Tarsus, but that won't happen anymore, right? So there you go. There you go. Okay. Thank you all for listening. Uh, I hope that gave everyone a better sense of our friend, Jamie Tarsus. This special episode of Dead Pilot Society was produced and edited by me and Noah Finling. Thank you to all of the writers who spoke with me, and special thanks to Jen Crittenden, Bill Rubel, Betsy Thomas, McCray Dunlop, Gabby Allen for your help in uh, tracking people down. And thank you to Matt Tarsus for giving me your blessing to do this. All of our thoughts and condolences go out to Jamie's family. Uh, I'm Andrew Reich. Thanks for listening. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported